let's say you are one of those people who scattered across the country and you want to contribute to difficult situations. He talked about anarchists organizing, which I guess he meant it sort of as a beautiful moment of oxymoronity or something. But um, there's, uh, there's a lot of organization that happens through these tools and through these, like, people put, you know, put a stake in the ground on something they care about and they develop a web presence around it. And then there's tools that allow them to pull together communities. So our next panel is people who pull together communities online. And we'd love to see them up here. And I see one of them right there, whose name is David Thao, who built a community called Bianca Smut Shack, which is a wonderful place in lots of different dimensions, and Ted Reingold, who's uh, you know part of that worldwide continuum of cats and dogs and things. Uh, Heidi Swanson here, who's feeding people. So unfortunately, we're missing one panelist today, but it's all right, because we are going to bring one panelist out of the crowd. So now we're going to bring two panelists out of the crowd. But we'll get to that in a little bit. I, uh, my name is Ted Reingold, and this is Adult Education Community Matters 101. Seriously, what this panel is, is for anyone doing any online publishing or offline projects, doing anything, uh, engaging your community, nurturing that community, and dealing with that community once it becomes large and established are all the kind of topics we're going to be covering here. And uh, so the panel and our uh, hyper user MJ will introduce themselves in a little bit. But I'm going to give some background and then get into some more points about this. Uh, so my name is Ted Reingold. I've done a bunch of webzines, uh, fleetingimage.org and mindfulinthestorm.org. And I've done some more organized user-contributed zines called gayprom.com. It's a corollary to a book where any gay man or woman could upload the story about going to their prom. And then, and then I did a small side sharing project, Dogster and Catster, which now has 125,000 users and deals with a whole other end of popularity. So the, the three points we really want everyone to go home feeling comfortable with knowing about this panel is that community can be as small as two people. You don't have to be um, in any large site. You don't have to be Friendster to be a community. If you have a blog and two people are posting comments, that's a community and that's really actually special. Um, point two is that there are a lot of obvious tools for fostering community, uh, comments or forums. But it's really a difficult task connecting what your readership is interested in sharing with each other. And so later I'll go through a list of like 50 different community things. Sometimes it's as simple as having everyone meet up at a cafe or uh, doing a Flickr group. Um, it, it's really a subtle kind of tool you need to weld to uh, entice them out. And the third point is that if your community does take hold, you, you know, like a garden, if you've planted a, a very nice garden, it's going to grow very quickly right in front of you. And if you don't tend it, and if you're not ready to tend it, and all the responsibilities that coming with tending it, you're gonna have a lot of uh, trouble perhaps, surprises, and you can't just walk away from it. Uh, so what we're going to do first is show a video that's called Real Life Versus Internet, and it was made using Halo characters, and it's, uh, it's pretty hysterical, and it's a little, it, it, it drives home some points that a person trying to negotiate community online encounters. Hi, my name is Private Church from the popular web series Red Versus Blue. Welcome to the New York Video Fest. Seriously, dude. Why not just call it the incredible edible internet? Shut up. You're gonna get us fired. Fine. We realize that a lot of you are here tonight because you've never heard of this crazy thing called the internet. If you or someone you
you know is thinking about using the internet, we've prepared the following primer to teach you how the internet is different from the real world. Wow, it was, it was really great to meet you. It was really great to meet you, too. Would you mind if I called you later? Sure. So, big boy, I'm... You're not a girl. What? Of course I am. A real girl? Who's a girl? I like girls. Shut up, you. Yes, I am really a girl. <laughs> Send me naked pictures. Okay. I love Angelina Jolie. Does anyone else like Angelina Jolie? She's got enormous lips. Bills, 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 coupon. Great. Pardon me, my friend, but I am Nigerian royalty, and I need you to send me money. Please ignore the fact that I can't spell Nigeria or royalty. Would you like to refinance your home? Mortgage rates have never been lower. Hey, church, we have all the filthiest sluts on the internet. They're hopped up on herbal Viagra and waiting for you. Would you like a bigger penis? Where would you like it? I can suggest some places. You could put it in escrow. Twelve ninety nine for that Creed CD, please. Here you go. Have a nice day. Does anyone have the new Creed CD? I have it. Give it to me right now. Give it to you? Why would I do that? You're not giving it to me. Give it to me faster. Wait, that's illegal. No, it isn't. I don't want it to be illegal. Therefore, it isn't. That's the way it works. Creed sucks. I hate you. And I hate the band you like. <laughs> this is a great party. Yeah. Woo. All right. everybody. I guess they're all masturbating. Oh, right. Well, I'll see you later, dude. I'm gonna go masturbate. Okay, see ya. Look, that's just the way I feel about it. Well, I disagree, but I respect your opinion. You deserve to die! Die and go to hell and burn! Oh yeah? Well, I hope you get raped! Twice! Maybe then you'll feel different! We don't need to find any weapons of mass destruction. We just need to want to find them. That's the way it works. I voted for Nader. I hate everyone. Would you like to change your homepage to MoveOn.org? Politics makes me so horny. Check out my webcam pick at PresidentialSlut.com. So just remember, the internet can be a very scary place if you're not prepared. How do you recommend they prepare? I don't know. Try going to your local middle school chess club. Hand out crystal meth and guns. That might be good practice. <laughs> Thanks for watching, everybody. Now let's all go home and masturbate, Griff. All right, it's just every time I watch uh, the, the politics scene. And, uh, you know, everyone knows you can start a forum and you don't know what's going to happen. And uh, that's what's going to happen every time. Your topic could be teddy bears and it's going to turn into a flame war. Um, so while MJ comes back over here, I'm going to go through a list of, and it's way too short. Probably with everyone in here, we could quadruple this list of tools and features and ideas you could do to generate community and to uh, nurture and expand your community. In websites, you could build a guest book, add common features, forums, uh, uh, have shared user profiles, uh, IM and private messaging, links to people's homepages. You could do uh, the photo upload of the user. You could put in a wiki. You could have a poll, quizzes. You could have a shared calendar, shared photo gallery. Um, you could write articles about community activities and events. Publish content produced by your audience members. Make a contest for readers to participate in. 
There's email. You can have your old-fashioned listserv. You can send group emails. You can include audience news in your newsletter. You can review events or activities of your audience. In human, this is one of my favorite ones, it's often overlooked, have a potluck, have a meetup, have a workshop, have a conference or symposium like this one that's going on right here. Uh, have a fundraiser, have a training session, um, hiker activity, just go outside together, have a weekly gathering. And one of the best things about what's going on right now with all these community websites is that you could have an entire thriving community based upon not even having to host your own website. You could use uh, Yahoo groups. You could use MySpace. You could have a Flickr group. You could have a shared bookmarking service. You could use um, upcoming.org uh, to show events you're interested in. You could post something to Craigslist. You could share your music at Last.fm. You could start a live journal. You could, you know, can meet on Dodgeball, you could use Wireless Inc. I mean, the lists just go on and on, and they're all just waiting out there. But the trick is, is which one is right for your community? And on that note, I'm going to introduce, I'm going to have our panelists introduce themselves. They're both super awesome. They've done <coughs> things. Uh, I, I'm sorry our uh, panelists from, oh, I'm sorry our panelists from Portland isn't here. She uses a MySpace site to promote her zines, and actually everyone communicates around the zine, not her. How many people would like to engage a community into the project they're working on? All right, cool. Um, how many people in the crowd would like to make that their part or full-time um, work? Or how many people are already doing that? All right. Um, so of those people who, who've been raising their hands on this, how many people would like to talk about the community that they've grown around their projects? Don't be shy now. Could you come up here, please? And, and uh, excellent Canada. All right, cool. Uh, we have MJ uh, has a little sheet over here. If you could tell us a little bit about yourselves, and then she'll go through your sites. And while you guys, if you guys could put notes on that for each of yourselves. And while they do that, our two panelists are going to introduce themselves. Hello. Uh, my name's Dave Thau. I started a hello. I started a community in 1994, an online community called Bianca's Smut Shack. And when it was originally started, it wasn't meant to be smutty, but we didn't realize the power of a word, and it rapidly became very smutty. And that thing is—it's still going on. And one of its biggest claims to fame was that it was used as an example of something that's actually decent in a Supreme Court case against the Communications Decency Act. Uh, so uh, maybe it's smutty, but it wasn't so smutty. And I've built a bunch of communities um, after that. Uh, most of them have been open-end, so I, I worked at Mother Jones and uh, worked on some of the original community there, and Lollapalooza in 1994, worked on that. And then I went to Wired and worked on communities there. Um, and recently I've sort of stopped working on open-ended communities, which the other ones were, and started focusing on communities around biodiversity studies. So I've gone from uh, a more sort of free-for-all public community to something focused on uh, people who have interest in a very specific area. All right, can everybody hear me? Um, my name's Heidi Swanson, and I am a cookbook author and photographer. And I think part of the reason I'm on this panel is because of two projects. Um, in the late 90s, I built a site called Chick Click, which was a network of about 25 to 30 um, independent uh, 
progressive women's online zines. Some of them had print components, but the idea for the site was that we would kind of rally together and go out as a unified force and um, bring on advertisers, um, go out it, uh, with the power of a group, and in this case a demographic, that would be attractive to advertisers. Um, and so I ran that from its inception to, for a few years, three or four years, um, it grew to a site of about 3 million user, registered users and about 50 million page views uh, uh, a month. And we brought on some of the earliest campaigns from a lot of the record labels, um, movie studios, uh, car manufacturers, and the part of that project that really interested me was being able to help channel some funds and money into these independent voices that were, like I said, doing really progressive content and, you know, help them, you know, some of them were making thousands of dollars a month <clears throat> during uh, the heyday. And I quit that after a while. My sister and I ran it, and then we quit it. We were owned by a parent company. Um, some of you might know our brother property, which was IGN, which is a very popular gaming site. And um, I then kind of just dropped out and did my own thing and started a recipe journal, just using blo a blogging a blog backend, um, kind of for my own personal use. Um, it's called 101 Cookbooks, and the concept of it was just, hey, I have this huge cookbook collection, and I'm really going to try and dive in there and cook through some of it instead of just tagging recipes and ignoring them, and um, then making notes about that, and it was kind of private in the beginning, and then... Um, One thing I really like about what she's done is she's deployed um, PHP Boards' newest version, which not only has forums, but it has member profiles, and each member, registered member, um, has an IM, you can private message them. So all these people now can connect with each other and this is all open source software. It had to be installed and customized and put in, but it's totally been added to this uh, online journal to give so many people the opportunity to communicate. And it didn't start out that way. I mean, it was really simple and straightforward in the beginning and it's really evolved. It's been, I've been doing it for like three years now into something much more robust. and. It's really in the early stages of the community features, um, which is kind of exciting to me. I just rolled out the boards and, you know, made the, the member list public and all that sort of thing um, and started putting some of the posts on the front page. Um, you know. Yeah, she's putting users' contributions into the site, and then they uh, they tell all their friends about it. Hey, I'm on the site now. Yeah, and I mean, I've always had the attitude that user or community-created created content can be as compelling or more compelling than anything I'm going to write. Um, you know, I just would just share the spotlight. It's, yeah. All right. Um, can you pass the mic for phone down and could you guys give us a little brief introduction? We don't mean to put you on the spot, but we'll get to, we'll be doing a lot of questions, so we, but more can come out during that. Oh, hi, um, my name is Marjorie Case. I'm the film slash television editor, a website called Common Sense Media, and what we do is provide parents and kids with um, tools to help them assess the media. We're a nonpartisan uh, 
website and our funding comes from various sources. We're probably a lot bigger than the ones that are on the panel right now, but we're still, I think it's a good example to be had for the rest of you considering um, I work for them and I get paid to do this and it's possible kind of thing and hopefully transitioning into full time, so. Awesome, looking forward to some answers. <clears throat> I'm probably the least likely to be on this panel. I'm, I'm not, anyway. That's the best I, part. Yeah, I know. I just started actually a site too, but it's grown pretty big, um, called Cheapskating LA, and it's all the free stuff to do in Los Angeles. So it's kind of, I'm Amy Raymond. Cheapskating LA. Cheapskating without a G. It's com. And it's kind of more like a daily, frugal daily candy and enlisting a lot of people to list any free stuff, any community events, and any kind of free things to do in Los Angeles. So. Awesome. Super cool. Trying to create a free community. I'm psyched about this. All right. So I got a bunch of questions for you guys. You can answer them. We'll just keep moving along really quickly. And... Uh, do you find that you have to compete for your audience's activity in your projects or publications? Are, are, do they have many other things going on such that they don't have time to leave a comment, that they don't have time to participate other than passive readership, or do they have tons of time to contribute in your project? Anyone? Um, well, there are uh, different kinds of people, and uh, there are some people who seem to have plenty of time to could contribute. And often you, I find that uh, community is kind of ruled by the people who have a lot to contribute. And then there are people who don't have as much, um, but often they'll contribute longer things. So one of the things that I found interesting was if you provide lots of different ways for people to communicate, you'll find there are different communities built, being built around those media. And kind of to add to that, one of the things that I've found is if you provide them with many different entry points or many different, in the case of the forums, once you have a lot of different topics going on, it takes a little while to get there, but people will read through them and, and then stumble on something that they feel passionately about or want to comment on. That's part of the reason I actually think that some of the community blogs are so great because you have so many different stories or leads or things going on on a front page that if, you, if the first story isn't compelling to you or whatever, maybe the third or fourth will be. Go first. Um, you don't have to answer yeah. if you don't yeah. want to. Yeah, it's totally fine. We'll just keep going. I'm sorry. Um, do you have to compete for your Do you have to compete for your audience's yes. activity? Yes, absolutely. Especially with the Christians, they have a huge um, lead in this field. They've been around for a lot longer than we have. But at the same time, because of our nonpartisan status, we tend to get more grants. Um, but certainly, with it's a new field. But it, at the same time, it's sort of been around in different communities. Awesome. I, I know with GayProm.com, where, where we allow people to upload their stories. It really uh, was a long entry process for them, and I think a lot of people wanted to do it, but they never did it because there was a whole long convoluted part, and I think that was a big mistake. We should have made it easier to enter, and then they could go back and edit and add more and more. Uh, I think uh, another interesting thing that's happening now with tools is the ability to sort of post in one place and have it spread out to many different media, like uh, you can take your Flickr picture and put it and hit a button and have it blogged. And I think that helps, uh, giving people the ability to, to do that um, helps 
with the problem of competition they can do it in one place and get it all over the place they're more likely to contribute and here's some quick answer questions of the following community features how many members of your readership do you think would require be required to support them so the first one is a comments or guest book how many regular users do you need to support that I say make it live in the beginning I mean I did yeah, guestbook was the very first thing that we had, and it, it said something like, uh, post your favorite Jello recipe. And that was, it. that was it for interactivity in the first thing, and that's what really drove us to keep working, because everybody posted. People, anybody came to the site and they just posted their favorite Jello recipe, and then they started posting other things. But I think it doesn't take very much. And then you, it also acts as a good barometer in terms of how engaged are people and how likely are they to, be, to make comments if you roll out other features. I mean, as you can see, mine's fairly new, so it's kind of hard generating a lot of comments, too, which I'm trying to encourage a lot to a lot of the subscribers to come what, back. What have your strategies been to encourage? Because it is really hard. It is hard. Getting someone to stop and write a comment, sometimes you don't... It can yeah. take a half hour to write a comment, so you skip it. Like, there was a cool comment that somebody wrote on, like, the Porn Star art event, um, and it led on to, like, another um, great article that one was really funny. But um, so it is kind of hard. I have a lot of people, too, that will send me emails and say, I went to your event. It led on to this, da, da, da. But they take you know, the time that they take to write me versus writing on the mm -hmm. website, which is what I'm trying to encourage a little bit more because it creates more of the community and everybody interacting. And that has been, that's been a problem with mine. So. Definitely. Um, you would be surprised. I think we have over a million registered viewers. And then if you go to one of the reviews, you get one or two reviews, maybe from the kids and the parents. And you know, it's great that they're coming to this site and they're using it, but they're not interacting with it. And what we're trying to do now is launch sort of offline tools, go into low-income communities and provide them with published tools, get them more involved, because a lot of them don't have access to the internet. And like you said before, doing outside community events mm -hmm. to bring them in. And uh, I think that's important. We don't want to uh, discriminate against a certain audience. But at the same time, we're really, right now, it's critical. I'm so glad you did this panel because we're launching or we're trying to do research on all these community tools mm -hmm. just to get people more involved. It's so important. We are a nonprofit. I know it looks a little fancy, but, you know, we're really trying. So. All right, let's see if we can continue with some numbers. How many uh, monthly visitors do you need, you would think, to support an uh, active forums feature? Anyone could just throw a number out. I didn't roll them out on this on my cookbook site until I had over a hundred thousand uniques a month. But it depends on the niche. Or sure, the sure, sure. Anyone want to try? Uh, it depends on the number of forums, also. Like if you want to have sort of one forum and everybody goes there, it, it would be easier than if you wanted to start a hundred different forums and then you'd get one post a week to each. How about online chat? where people who are at the site can talk with anyone else on the site? Uh, I, I've never been particularly interested in, in rolling out that feature onto the sites that I build, but that's a personal preference. I like there, in my experience, it's been that you get a lot of thoughtful discussion that you can kind of go back and reference and stuff on the discussion boards, and I just particular, personally like that better. 
Yeah, I think it's maybe the last thing that I would I would roll out. You know, <laughs> once especially often it's useful when you have boards that are really active because often what will happen is you'll get sort of two people on a board who are just talking to each other, you know, about whatever issue is, and that's a really good time to have a chat because then you can just say go go to the chat room. Also, like, I mean, if you're picking and choosing between what you're going to roll out, like, if you don't want to have every single feature on your your site, and like, you can. It gets expensive. It's time commitment, engineers. Yeah. I mean, more so, it's much easier to roll out very robust features now on the sites. Um, I remember back when I was doing Chick Liquid, you know, I had to get the programmers to help me, and it was like weeks in the works. And and now it's just there are so many great um, and inexpensive web tools at at your disposal. So I don't know. Also, it's all you have to moderate and ma maintain them, and yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. It can be exciting in a can of worms. All yeah, now you can offer all these features, and then you've got to moderate and keep them all happy. And online chat, that means 24-hour moderator responsibility. Yeah, and then when, oh, also when you talk about monetizing your community, chat is, forget about it. Nobody's <laughs> gonna, if, if you're looking at advertisers, nobody's going to advertise on, or it's hard to find advertisers for chat. It's the hardest. Yeah, also, oh, sorry. I mean, for a site where we represent a certain philosophy and again we have to appease everyone to have you know we could have so many breakouts um, to have to monitor it would be just impossible yeah somebody like me who just does <laughs> as one person it's a little too much to try to get into right unless I want to do a dating service of everybody going to each event and pinging each other and pinging a little thing all right. Is it okay to censor, remove content that someone else wrote or posted to the site? Do you need to contact that poster that you're removing their content, or can you just remove it immediately? Is it best just to remove it immediately? What are your thoughts? I try to treat the people um, in my community, uh, at least on this scale, it's, it's doable, but the way I would treat a friend or somebody, uh, we were talking the other day, like somebody that is in my home, so I'll extend the courtesy of sending an email or making contact and saying why. And then, you know, when the communities get much larger, it's more difficult. I've only had a problem with spam comments, so <laughs> that I had to remove, but that's about it. Yeah, I have the same. I have another blog, but it's not as big as any of yours. So, but um, aside from that, uh, of course, again, parents, kids. Answer. But I think it also helps if you outline the rules in a, in a central place beforehand so I can point people to like, hey, here are the ground rules. We can add to them over time, but right now this is kind of where I'm thinking and please read them and, and take them to heart. Yeah, actually there should be a terms of service kind of thing like at the, on your front page saying, you know, this is what we're about and this is what we'll delete and these, these are the rules and they can be changed. You know, that was site. the first thing I did when I did the forums for the site was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, like our, our rules, we were very, very permissive, which was what we were, that was one of our points. Um, and our terms of service were like, if it's not illegal, it's okay. Uh, but, you know, then, then we got in these fights about what's legal and what's, what's not legal. But at least saying, you know, out, something out there, you know, like, that people you can use as a litmus. Yeah, like I end up, uh, like one of the big things was copyright infringement and what can you do, what are you allowed to post in terms of recipes on the site, like don't appropriate them or if you're inspired by a recipe, you know, here's how you need to handle it. There's a lot of education that has to happen there. So. 
Um, I know on, on Dogs Turn Catster, on every single place where someone can post something that anyone else is going to read, we write those rules again. And we just have no choice but to delete things that are inappropriate. We can't go back to the person and say, well, shit is actually a bad word. Is it okay if we change it to poo? It's just, it's just impossible. As much as you want to respect your users, there, there's just too much time commitment. Okay, here's another one. When, when you start engaging your community on your site or you have events and they start coming to your events, sometimes these characters pop up who are, I call the hall pass monitors. They are the ones who follow all the rules and then want to point out to you when other people are breaking the rules. And they'll even post on the forums that these people are breaking the rules. And they're looking out for the good of the community, but you know that they are really actually making more problems. So how do you deal with the, the busybody, the hall pass monitor, and how do you um, keep them happy while keeping everyone else happy and relaxed in the environment? Yeah, we had a lot of problem, a lot of problem with that because when we started, there weren't that many people on the web at all, and so most people kind of came upon our site and it rapidly developed its own culture. Uh, and then as more and more people were coming onto the web period, more and more people came on the site and people got very upset that the, the sort of gestalt of the site was changing and we had a lot of people who were like, this is what the site is about and this is how it ought to be. And what we did about that is what we tended to do um, about it, all things is we sort of built a tool to try to help it out and so the tool that we built was giving people the ability to have their own parts of the site and monitor their own parts so if they felt like oh, the site was changing too much, they could, they could, change, they could have their own little area and, and monitor their own area, and then they had all, this, all the power that they wanted. So that was kind of our solution there. And then on the smaller sites, um, where we have fewer people who are contributing a lot, there we sort of ask people to maintain amongst, you know, like decide as a group what's appropriate or not, and then they kind of vote as, as a group. Well, uh, the next topic we'll get to is about so you, sometimes you don't even want a community. They email, they say, oh, we want this, we want that, give us features, give us forums, or um, on, on Dave's ant web, people email in, well, I see all these ants that you've listed for scientists. This particular one, how do I get rid of it? Why is it in my house? Can you help me? Um, when you put yourself out there, you open the doors to the whole world's coming in. And when I did Dogster, I felt like the net manity was just crushing into my little office because I had, two hours of emails a day to answer from people with all types of perspectives and viewpoints and religions and attitudes about dogs and I, I, it almost crushed me and I finally even had to find a really great person to answer all the emails because it's so emotional. Um, <laughs> then uh, you start losing, you have bandwidth getting sucked, you have to add servers, you have to support these things. So what is is the community supported? Is, should the community be nurtured simply because it wants to be nurtured? Or does this then become a business that you need to justify making enough money off it or getting enough revenue to compensate for answering emails for two hours a day, for server increases, et cetera? I think it's okay to draw some boundaries. Um, just let them be well known. and. Um, I, I mean, I, I know I spend a lot of time answering emails as well, and I don't, I mean, over time, I think, you know, as the communities grow, they want to talk to me specifically. 
So, I mean, there are ways that you can hopefully rechannel that energy towards more public areas like the forums, you know, ask other people in the community. You don't always just have to ask me. Um, but I want to email you. Right. <laughs> Um, you can rechannel a lot of that enthusiasm. What it really is is enthusiasm for the site or the community, and, and you know. Yeah, I'm kind of at a weird thing right now too because I started it as you know an open thing for everybody and free stuff to do, and here's all this great stuff. However, I'm encountering you know I'm getting people like CBS that emails me like we're having this free event we're having and getting a lot of people that are starting to want to advertise and use it as a way of marketing for them and me kind of picking and choosing. So I'm at a weird place right now of what, wanting What are you it. thinking about how you may, what you might have to do to generate enough revenue or time or something to justify the effort you're going to have to keep putting into it? Yeah, it's kind of gotten a lot bigger than I expected it to be and it started off as fun and now it's turned into a full um, where I'm very obligated to. So, I, you know, I'm still at whether to, you know, garner them as sponsors, um, and, and, you know, solely it's advertisers on there rather than just using Google AdSense and things like that too because there is, you know, living in LA, people are now using bloggers as a great way to market off, you know, different things like we're having this premiere, we're having this, and these were screenings that somebody was having for free and they wanted to list it so it's just kind of huh? like defamer. yeah and defamers listed me on there so that's how they started like finding it so um, I'm not really sure which direction to go in right now with it and is, am I giving in to corporate America you know by having them as sponsors instead of keeping it as this you know do I cater to their events and put them up there unless they're interesting I do but it's I think everything changes too once you bring on a staff. I mean, for me, my cookbook site is a personal project that is is very different from Chicklick, which I ended up having forty something like forty people working under under me, and it, it was just a whole different experience. And I didn't, I I don't want that again. Like I, so I'm trying to. Let the site grow on its own, grow organically, not supercharge it with any, you know, it's a slow moving, slow growing site and I'm fine with that. Um, I'm, I take on sponsors now and make some money on it, but I don't want to build it out in terms of staff or that sort of thing. Right, and what you were saying before about uh, extending yourself hour-wise, like all of us work way more than our hours and we do it because we love doing it and it's not so much about the money, because God knows we're not making much money, but um, we have the same issues as well. Um, you know, your nonprofit organization, even though we're on a, a different level, a different size, what do you do in that situation? How are you offending your sponsor or your, your funders if you take on advertising? And the way we've avoided doing that actually is selling our content to sort of mainstream sites, because like AOL, Movie Phone, and MSN, and the AP. So, and soon others, hopefully. So um, again, and that requires so much more monitoring, so much more time, like you wouldn't believe if I'm in charge of film and TV, all I the movies believe, that are coming out, we're building a database, you know, with Netflix, and it's like the top 1,000 movies of all time, and then all the TV show premieres. Okay, I'm just gonna vent right now, sorry. <laughs> but it is really difficult, um, but you gotta do it because you love doing it. All right, I'm, uh, I'm gonna do one more question, and then we'll go to the audience here. 
And this question is, it, when you uh, generate a community, when you have a community, they feel like the hall pass monitor. They feel they have a role and a commitment. They're passionate about your site. Often there are some problems with that. One is that every person feels differently towards that site. They feel that the site exists for their particular reasons, for their love. Uh, one example is Heidi's site is mostly vegetarian entries, but she let a friend talk about cooking through a whole pig, and lots of users were uncomfortable with that. I mean, you have other problems where users are empowered. They participate. They, if you, any change you make, they're probably going to give you some pushback. And so what do you do once this community has a voice and they don't like changes that are going on? Well, in that case, I think it gave me a platform to explain why, as essentially an editor of a site like this, I thought that it would be an in interesting. I decided at one point very recently to bring on a couple people, including Lulu's doing one um, essentially mini journals. So she's highlighted, um, she's doing a, a journal, a mini journal on unrefined foods, whole foods, natural foods. And I have another friend who's a fantastic writer um, who wanted, she came to me and was like, I want to cook through an entire pig part by part and talk about it. And I thought, you know, I'm vegetarian, everything I write about on the site is vegetarian, but I thought it was an opportunity to really um, you know, get people out of, really get in deeper and understand, you know, what happens that in terms of, a lot of people just buy their meat at Safeway and just don't know where it comes from. And so I thought any opportunity to peel back the layers there would be good and fine. And over time, like, I think there'll be many other mini journals and that there'll be a s spectrum of them. And I have a longer term vision for it. and. It's up to me to make the calls. But when people have an idea of what your site is um, that may be different from what it actually is, it, you just have to explain a lot. <laughs> yeah, and, and you, always, you have to make a choice between whether you want your site to be one monolithic thing with you sort of in control, or if you're willing to delegate some control to moderators. And then if, if you do that, you can set aside different parts of your site and have them maintained by other people. And that's a different set of issues, because then you know you have to find the moderators, you have to trust the moderators, and then you have to deal with what if a moderator gets out of hand, what do you do about that? Um, but that, when you start feeling sort of uh, tense uh, about things, sort of delegation is delegation or explosion was kind of the way I was feeling. So we eventually, we couldn't handle it, and we started appointing moderators. And it, it was a different set of problems, but it was somehow a little more uh, handleable. All right, we are uh, probably already over our time, but if there are any questions, you can totally answer them, or oh, we're getting the Knicks. All right, I'd really, oh yeah, any questions? If you could speak loudly, maybe you could call it out. Awesome. The question was, what technology do these sites use? And I'll start with, with the sites I've done, Dogster and Catster and Gayprom, and they're all just starting with basic PHP and MySQL databases and $20 a month web hosting accounts. And I always find that you build it as simple as you can. If a lot of people show up, then you spend the extra money and write more. 
Yeah, all my stuff has been homegrown also, um, except for one time I used uh, slash dots stuff and I set up a slash dot community and that was, that was pretty cool. It's pretty configurable. Um, I've got a custom template on a movable type backend and a PHP BB um, open source bulletin boards. I, I mean, I can install it and, and I'm pretty dicey on the tech front, so. Blogspot.com. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have no idea for the Common Sense site, but I do use Blogspot for mine as well. Yeah, I mean, the free tools out there right now are amazing. Anyone else? All right, I would really like to thank Webzine for putting on this conference. I'd like to thank uh, Eddie and Ryan. I'd like to thank my panelists here. And most of all, I'd like to thank MGL. Thank you very much.